from Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 122, our 2016 year in review. This episode is brought to you by Smile. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Federico Vitici. Hi, Federico. Hello, Mike. And Stephen Hackett. Welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. We have a big show today. This is one of my favorite shows of the year where we take a look. Uh, I think we took a look back mostly at the things that we have spoken about on this show throughout the year of 2016, and we're going to go through them month by month in a kind of round-robin style and talk about the stories and talk about if they are really worth thinking about now, right? (laughs) Now it's just like whatever, and maybe see how some things have changed and grown over the year. So as you would expect, we're going to start with January. Now, January saw the launch of a really weird Apple application called Music Memos, which I had completely forgotten about until I saw (laughs) it in this document. What even was Music Memos? Or is, I guess, it's still alive, I don't know. Are we sure that was 2016? It feels like a lifetime ago, really. <laughs> Music Memos was a lifetime ago, yeah. We, we've all aged a is lot. Is it still around? Is, uh, is it really still around? The apple.com slash music dash memos still exists. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? It's a top, top level page. There's a web page. Wow. Yeah, it's got. I mean, the Mac Pro has a web page. Oh, dear. Wow. It still has Aperture on it, right? Doesn't... I think they fixed that. Oh, good. What can any what can anyone remember what music memos was? I don't know what yeah, it so, is. So you would sit down as a you know singer, songwriter, coffee shop hipster, and uh-huh. you could play guitar or sing, or I think it would do piano and stuff. Oh no, I looked at the website the other night, and you could record into that. I think the idea was a lot of musicians use voice memos for this stuff, but music memos, if you played guitar. It would try to match the chords, and it would put in like an intelligent drummer or a bassist and help you sort of take your like raw idea and fill it out a little bit, and then you could export that to GarageBand or save it and do a bunch of stuff. So I'm I'm like you guys. I didn't realize this was in 2016, and I remember downloading it and playing with it. But I'm not a musician, so I was like, oh well, this is cool. I'm glad that it exists. Like it's it's a very Apple app to build. But it, I don't know, you know, what the adoption is like or what the usage is like anymore. Well, it did receive three updates um, since uh, it came out, and the last one was in October. Um, oh, wow. I, I think it's very, yeah, I think it's very cool. I, I still don't believe uh, it is. It has replaced uh, the notes app for musicians, and like, uh, I follow a couple of, uh, actually, not a couple, maybe a couple of dozen really artists on Twitter, and I see screenshots of notes all the time. I don't think it has, you know, Music Memos has replaced the, the popularity, you know, uh, of Notes, the default app. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great idea. It's one of those experiments. It reminds me of, and I think we, we made this comment when it came out, reminds me of the Cards app, um, you know, for the RIP. iPhone. I miss that thing, man, especially yeah, in me the holiday too, me season. Too. It, it was a really clever, yeah. you know, single-purpose idea, but I don't know why these to me look like uh, intern projects. Like yeah. that sometimes they see the light of day. No, and you know what? I don't think know? that's a bad thing. I don't think like I, I get no, what you're saying. It's not. it's not in quality. It's like in why no. does this exist? Like it's somebody's yeah. little project. I, yes. Yeah. It's got to yes. be like I can't imagine that. Like you know, at the top level of the iOS software team, they're like, we don't want to update GarageBand. We have to make music memos. Like I can't imagine that that's what occurred. It just seems strange. It yeah, it just feels like maybe somebody's little twenty percent time project or something, and, yeah. and it was good enough that they're like, no, let's let's throw our weight behind this and, and actually make it as a real thing. Yeah. 
Also in January, we saw the preview of iOS 9.3. So this showed off a night shift and the iPad and education changes. Um, this was, I think, the first time that Apple has ever done something like this. Uh, it was like a, a big preview. They've not done it since, right? There's not been anything since. Now, no. January's close. Maybe we're going to see the 10.3 preview, you know, fingers crossed. Uh, or maybe we, you know, we'll wait for that until the spring. But that was a big surprise. Um, and there are a couple of things this year where, where Apple kind of broke out of their normal cycle with dealing with, you know, announcements where not everything was done on stage. Sometimes there were just pages put up on Apple.com or there were press releases or interviews given about new new initiatives that Apple was working on. And nine, the 9.3 preview was, was one of those. Yeah, and it's interesting to think about if Apple is going to do uh, 10.3 uh, next month. I think it we're, we're going to see, you know, with some iPad features. I just wonder if there's going to be these big changes coming to, let's say, iPad multitasking, for example, mm-hmm. and developers need to adapt. Uh, there's going to be some kind of reveal with betas, you know, and new developer SDKs. And it just seems a little odd to me that Apple would, you know, um, introduce these big changes without an event. But then again... Um, there's iPads supposedly coming in March or April. Well, the April. rumors that we've spoken about seem to suggest that the software is not going to be front and center. Like, this is going to be a really exciting hardware announcement for the iPad, yes. right? Like, if, if the rumors are true and it's like this basically bezel-less 10.9 inch and a 9.7 body, like, you don't need the software to tell that story. The hardware no, tells you, that story. You don't need to. It would just be a little... Strange, but I guess okay uh, to have this big change. Imagine if Split View, for example, in mm-hmm. iOS 9 was not announced at WWDC with a proper event, but instead with a press release and a web page. That's so this what is, I'm this thinking is about. Like, this, it's weird within the current ways that things are done, but I guess our hope is that that breaks and WWDC is never the iPad thing. It's March, right? Yes. So it's like every six months. That's the hope. So I, I have my fingers crossed for a 10.3 announcement in january um, that allows developers and everybody to get prepared for the spring release of new ipad hardware so we'll yeah. see federico yeah. what happened in february well the big story from february was apple versus the fbi in the united states following mm-hmm. the the uh, shooting at uh, san bernardino and you know the fbi and the police seized uh the attacker's iphone and they essentially demanded apple to get access to the to the phone and the problem was, um, of course, uh, Apple doesn't want to provide law enforcement with a master key. That's according to Apple and Tim Cook. Um, because essentially the FBI wanted a way for Apple to create a custom software, a custom version of iOS that would have allowed the uh, you know law enforcement to break into the, the iPhone without running into the problem where if you type, for example, multiple times an incorrect passcode, the phone erases itself. So the FBI demanded Apple to write a custom version of iOS that would bypass that security measure. And Apple was opposed to that because of the the argument that if Apple were to create such master key, it would be too risky and it would too easily um, be out in the wild and it would be a problem for millions of iPhone users, not just because of that single FBI case. So Apple was... Uh, afraid that it would create a precedent, you know, um, for the FBI to demand even for future iPhones. And 
I mean, I, I guess, uh, Stephen, you know much better uh, living in the U.S. what exactly happened afterwards. There were various interviews with Tim Cook. He went on television. There were a couple of hearings uh, with the FBI and Tim Cook, I think. Yeah, I mean, Apple really made it a very public fight. They turned it from some sort of like political, you know, technology story into a big like public relations, like fused with American freedom. So I think it was kind of a brilliant move, right, to take it public. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, clearly Apple came out on top, but I, I think that it would be foolish to think that this sort of thing is over, especially in light of like new administration and things that, you know, this this is a conversation that's going to come back up. And, you know, and, until that happens, Apple seems to be hard at work at making the phones even more difficult to get into. You know, one of the weird things in this case that it was an iPhone 5C, had it been a 5S or later that the security system in the phone would be even more difficult to get into. Uh, so I think it's it's sort of an opening chapter in what will be a longer story. You know, I don't know, you know there were polls and stuff, but the public, you know, seemed, you know, relatively split on what to do. I think obviously like in our circles, it seemed like a pretty obvious solution that the government, no government uh, should have a backdoor into encryption like this. But we see around the world, you know, new administrations and new governments who uh, may be more interested in that. So I fear that this is going to be a story that we have to cover again, probably sooner rather than later. Yeah, this was fascinating, really, at the time. Um, and I think it's one of the more interesting technology stories of the year, just because we've not really had a thing like this before, you know. And, and also, like, you know, I, I think at the time, uh, a lot of us were, were quite impressed with the way that Apple handled this. You know that that they publicly went out and said that they weren't going to do this, uh, even though it was obvious that that was going to be a PR disaster, right? That that people that didn't care about, that um, didn't really seem to care about security in this in that kind of like really intense way of understanding encryption would just look at this and be like, Apple is helping terrorists. And and there was no right. way to spin that, right? Like that was always going to have to be a message that obviously, you know, people sympathizing with what the FBI were trying to do would tar Apple with, right? Like they would have said, oh, they're just trying to help these terrorists or they're unwilling to help the government. Like, you know, that that's a a lot of people, I mean, and I understand why I would see that as a, as a bad thing just on the face of it. And it's one of the other things that, you know, as, as the year has gone on, I think the, the general consensus towards Apple has kind of changed as the year has gone on. But in February, we were really big supporters of what they were attempting to do, right? And, and, and it's funny to see how things kind of went throughout the rest of the year. Because there are just, you know, there are other, like, not even just because there's no Macs, uh, but with, with weird, you know, strange stories like... The, the EU stuff, which we're going to get to a little bit later on, like the, the narrative has changed quite a lot as the year has gone on. But at least at this point, it was great. Yeah. Um, the other story from also from February was when Apple really upset Mike and then they kind of backtracked on the changes that we're introducing. <laughs> Basically, in, in iOS 10, uh, uh, 9.3 at that point, they were in the beta. At some point, I think in beta 1 or beta, beta 2 maybe, they changed the functionality of the Apple Pencil. So the Apple Pencil came out in November 2015 with the first iPad Pro. 
and the pencil, the original one, even if you go read my review um, at that time, you were able to use the pencil to navigate the iOS interface. So in addition to drawing and sketching, you know, the, the more specific pencil functionalities, you could use the pencil as a finger replacement mm -hmm. to navigate iOS, scroll, you know, tap icons. And with the beta of iOS 9.3, they introduced a change that prevented the pencil from uh, being used as a complete finger replacement. And Mike and others, uh, they got really upset. Mm-hmm. Because we were used to using our Apple Pencils in that way at that point. You know, as I said at the time, if the Apple Pencil debuted and it, all it could do was draw, then that would have been fine. But it debuted and for whatever reason, it could do anything that your finger could do. Uh, and then that got removed and there were beta after beta were coming out of, of 10.3 and it wasn't changing. And then there was um, some outcry on... Uh, from from myself and Gray and I was like, you know, there was a great piece that Serenity wrote on iMore and it kind of like ended up bubbling up into one of those little snowstorm type scenarios that happened with Apple Press stuff. Um, and then I think it was in the release candidate, it was changed. Um, Apple released a press release, said that they would restore functionality and then I, th I think it was in the either the last beta or the release candidate, um, 10.3 got amended and the functionality got restored. So that was a, that was a great win for all pencil users everywhere. Yeah, uh, have you been using the pencil in the same way uh, since, Mike? Nah, I assume I you're still. It. I didn't even bother. No, of course. <laughs> I, so that's of course. my main use for the it. Apple pencil. You know, it's why I have Apple pencils attached to my iPads. Right, is because when I'm doing some serious work for long periods of time, especially with stuff like spreadsheets, like it's just way nicer and more accurate and more comfortable for me to use the Apple Pencil for those sort of things. And I continue to, and it's genuinely, you know, one of the three things that makes the iPad Pro the best computer for me um, mm -hmm. is the Apple Pencil is one of them. So it was definitely a win for you that had big uh, consequences throughout the year. So yep. good job. Thank you. So we are now in March. And like, like most years, 2016 was, you know, March was kind of the first big month. So we have a bunch of stories here. We had uh, Flux, which was available to be sideloaded onto iOS devices. So if you're not familiar, something that ended up basically being like Night Shift, where app, uh, an app can change the color temperature of the screen. It's been on the Mac forever. I mean, I've had it installed for years. And they you know, did a little Xcode project where you could sideload it onto your iOS device. Apple shut that down in a, uh, in a big hurry. And then, of course, Night Shift came out. When was Night Shift? Was that in 9.3 or was that in 10? No, 9.3. That was 9.3. No, 9.3. Yeah. Um, we also had the transmission BitTorque client infected with malware, yeah. which was uh, <laughs> yes. a super fun story for lots of people. That actually happened, I think, twice this year. Yeah, it happened a couple of, of times, actually, <laughs> yes. Uh, so good service security there, guys. Uh, we also saw the Android N developer preview. Uh, this was a surprise from Google. Basically, it just sort of um, it just showed, up. showed up on their website. Yep. And it, you know, we've all spent time with Pixel and, and, and with Android recently, but it's uh, Android N brought split screen to the phone and it brought some uh, um, better like software updating mechanisms, which we won't go into, but are interesting. Uh, pretty solid update to, to the Android side of things. But of course, the big thing in the Apple world was the the March event uh, where we saw the iPhone SE, so an updated 
uh, small phone from Apple with the guts of the success, but in the case of the, I guess, the 5 and 5S, uh, I think it's a popular phone. At least it is in my household. My wife has one and really loves it. I think she's going to be sad when they don't ever update it again. But uh, uh, at the same time, we also saw the 9.7-inch iPad Pro. So this was the event of small devices, I guess. And, of course, the 9.7-inch uh, Pro built with the same technology in the 12.9, but went even further with things like the uh, True Tone display, which I would really like on the, the big iPad. Uh, everything. Has, I want it on everything. Yeah, yeah has the uh, wide color gamut as well which has since spread to the iPhone and, of course, a bunch of Macs. And I think the 12.9 will kind of get updated to get back in line with everybody Mm -hmm. uh, this March. But March was busy, and I think out of all of these stories, I think that 9.7-inch iPad Pro is really the one that sticks around. Like The iPhone SE is great for people who want it. Uh, It's interesting that they did it. Like I said, I don't really think they're going to ever update it again. But it's... uh, it's, I don't think it's as important as a product as that 9.7-inch iPad Pro just because the that form factor was the default iPad size and they got rid of the airline and replaced it with a Pro that was more expensive, had pencil support, and really kind of pushing the boundaries of that, that notebook. This is also the event where Phil Schiller... Uh, so I think Apple made a couple weak keynote arguments uh, this year, Courage being one, and the other one being this. We're like... Who is this for? It's for people switching from PCs. And like I see what they're saying, and I think we argued about this when it happened, but in my mind, that's not a super compelling argument for this thing being a device. Like the device is good on its own. And like I'm sure there are people switching from PCs to iPads, like no doubt. But it was just a very strange like hook into this product in the keynote. And uh I don't know, it still seems a little weird to me in hindsight. It is it is strange, especially because at that time, I mean, of course, there was no iOS 10 and no new iPad features, basically, since iOS 9 the year before. But even if you consider the accessory that Apple is trying to sell as the, you know, the primary way of turning an iPad into a PC, the smart keyboard, at that point, there were no international layouts for the smart keyboard. Uh, they were released in late July or August, I think, in the summer. So back in March, the smart keyboard was effectively only available to U.S. users with an American layout. And it was a really strange argument to make for the small iPad Pro with just one smart keyboard layout, no new smart connector accessories. It was just, it felt like a tagline slipped in at the end of uh, rehearsals or something. Uh, it It was not a... Uh, maybe a strong point, but not a cohesive one, I would say. At least not consistent with the, with what Apple was showing. From a marketing perspective, supercomputer is one of my favorite Apple taglines of the last few years. I think it's fantastic, but there are problems from like a functionality perspective that it doesn't back it up. I agree with that, right? Like that they didn't give the 9.7-inch iPad Pro anything more to make it a more powerful yeah. computer. Like, you know, me and Federico will go to bat and say that, like, this machine can be a computer replacement, but the 9.7-inch didn't really do anything to back the supercomputer line up, but I do really like the line because I think it's very smart. Uh, I do continue to love my 9.7-inch iPad Pro. It's my favorite. It's like my favorite Apple device. 
um, at the moment, and I think it has bar none the best screen I've ever used. Um, it's just incredible, and it's a shame to me that this is the only device that has a screen that looks that good. Um, the wide color gamut on the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus is really great, but the uh, True Tone really goes an extra mile, and I'm looking forward to seeing that come out across the line. I expect the 12.9 will get it next, and I really do hope that they're able to put it in the next iPhone, because it's great. So we're now in April, and it was just maybe the big story that kind of set the tone for Apple throughout the year was the first down quarter in in terms of revenue in 13 years. So Apple in the Q2 2016 uh, earnings call, they detailed the fact that for the first time uh, there was a, you know, a down quarter and there was a bunch of explanations that uh, Apple made and that I saw analysts and other journalists on Twitter but the 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 core issue is that Apple saw insane growth with the iPhone 6 and 6 plus in China I think this was the main argument and that was impossible to replicate with the 6s and the 6s plus but this idea of Apple having the you know the first down quarters since many many years and trying to find the next big driver and moving to services this kind of set the entire narrative around Apple for 2016 in terms of from a financial perspective. Yeah, it was um, a bit of a shocker, right? Because I think for so many years, whenever there's a rev- whenever there's a quarterly results, everyone goes into defensive mode of how can the stock be down? They just posted more money than ever, right? Like all of this stuff is ridiculous. But now it's like well, what can you do? They just they didn't make as much money. And it was a very strange thing. You know, looking at 13 years, four times a year, we have seen the same answer. And that answer is Apple is making more money. Apple is making more money. Like that has been the the thing that we have been used to for such a long time. And it was a, a bit of a strange thing to see as somebody who is a fan of the company and cares about the company. And it's like, how are they going to do better than this? Like, it's it's a difficult thing. I, I'm really interested to see how next year goes. Because there's, you know, there's a lot of talk about like, oh, 2015 was this weird year where there was a big peak. And it's like, I can accept that argument so long as 2017 is better than 2016. And as of right now, we have no idea, no way or no idea of knowing that. And I'm I'm interested just to see how this plays out to see what happens next year and if 2015 ends up just being this weird little anomaly or it was the peak. Also in April, I published the an article and associated video for a big project that I was uh, had been working on for a couple of months. For the first time, you know, every year I do uh, my iOS wishes story where I kind of lay out what I would like to see coming in the next version of iOS. And for the first time this year, in addition to the story, I worked with Sam Beckett. He's a you know a motion and graphic designer to produce um, a video version of my iOS wishes with a concept video. Uh, I generally, I tend to be against the idea of concept videos that 
you know, imagine these crazy features that are never going to happen. Like, I don't know, holographic iPhones. Um, so we we try to kind of combine the fact that I really think about sensible, reasonable features that could come to iOS and to design them in a way that they don't seem too crazy, they don't seem too absurd. Uh, and the general feedback that we got was exactly what I was hoping to get from readers. And, it, and that is, it makes sense and it feels like something that Apple could do. And fun story, when I when I was at WWDC, I was talking to a bunch of Apple engineers. <laughs> and uh, some of them told me, well, you know, thank you for the video, <laughs> in a sarcastic way. Because a lot of, a lot of their friends uh, actually texted them and they were like I saw you guys announced uh, iOS 10 already I saw the video <laughs> and they're like no that's not that's not us so the the feedback was incredible and it was my uh, my first video on YouTube it was a fun project I think I loved it I mean yeah I loved it because I got a video version of one of your long articles you know how I love video yeah. versions <laughs> uh, and it was really great and and I um I, I don't know but I hope that you're going to do it again? Uh, I, no comment. No comment at this time. No I, don't, I, I don't know. Uh, basically, the problem is if there's going to be, you know, 10.3 coming in January with a public release in March, I don't know how to... I don't, I don't have enough time to think about what I want next. Because if there's major changes to the iPad in March, there's no point in, you know thinking about future iPad changes. There's at least no time for me because I, I okay. sit on these ideas for months. And so next year, I think it will be different. Even for my iOS wishes story, you know, the, the timing will be different because now iOS is effectively sp split between two releases. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Maybe I'll just do an iPhone one. I don't know. So we are now into... Uh into May. Mike, what happened? What did April showers bring in May? May did they bring May flowers? May uh, added to... It completed a long project um, that was oft spoke about on the show, which was Stephen completing his 13 iMac G3 color collection. So, so April showers brought May flower powers. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. You should, you should, you should be a poet. That Stephen. was... Kind of amazing. I hope you're proud of yourself right now. I am. So uh, this was a big project for you, and I guess now we're at the end of the year. I should ask: Do you have a home for the IMAX? Are they still all in your office? Uh, they they are all uh, in my office, just over there. And uh, yeah, so I, I got sort of all the content done that I wanted. I wrote a bunch, did a bunch of videos. Um, they became. Uh, you know, a third of the uh, the book that I just published. And uh, what the question is now is what do I do with these iMacs? And what I think is going to happen, what I'm working on, is actually having them become part of the collection at the Henry Ford Museum. Wow. Uh, listeners may remember uh, we inter or I interviewed um, Kristen Gallerno, one of their technologists, um, and about the Apple One, because the Apple One turned 40 in April and she and I have stayed in touch and that's uh, hopefully where, where they will end up uh, being preserved and cared for uh, for all time at the, uh, 
at the Henry Ford Museum, which is super exciting. So it's not quite a done deal yet. Uh, when it is, I'll let people know. But uh, that's where I think they will uh, all end up. So they'll be safe and sound, and um, uh, it'll be uh, exciting to have them part as part of their collection. And uh, I'm happy to, to make that donation to them because a lot of them were given to me, and I want to make sure that they get uh, taken care of uh, forever. That's really nice. Like That's a good thing that you'll be able to collect them all up in good condition and then donate them for other people to see. Um, and I guess it's also nice to not have to have them in your house anymore. Because mm-hmm. have you ever wondered or like got worried that they might gang up on you? Uh, yeah, you know, you have to feed them and uh, you know you have to take care of them. I mean, really, it's just about the storage space. That I only have so much storage space, and uh, out of my big shelving units, they take up like a third uh, of the of the space right now. Um, and like some of them are kind of neatly arranged in the corner. It's just, it's just a lot of computers to have. And, uh, I wish I could hold on to all of them, but, um, I feel like if they can all be together, then that's the right answer, right? I want them to stay together and the Henry Ford wants all 13. So we'll see where that goes. May also brought the Google IO, uh, conference it's more like a festival right <laughs> they did it outside it was this year yeah in an amphitheater and everybody got sunburned but it did look really cool though like as opposed to just having it all in a big conference center like they had it in this big amphitheater and it was a kind of a nice setting that the keynote was cool uh these were the big things that came out of google io 2016 allo and duo which I don't really think have gone anywhere. Um, even nope. people that, that, you know, even Android users don't seem to be like super hot on that for what I can see. Uh, Google Home, which Stephen has one of, and I don't really think that you like it any more than your uh, Echo. I like the Echo. I'm trying to be very careful not to say them because they're both here plugged in listening. Uh-huh. Uh, I like the Echo a lot more. I haven't been meaning to put something together. I just haven't gotten to it yet. But I do have thoughts on the Google Home that will eventually make it on the show daydream vr which is something that i do really like and there are a couple of weeks ago there was a ton of new games come out for the daydream vr but everything was packed in boxes for me so i'm gonna check those out but there was like a a huge like ton of content that just kind of landed all of a sudden for that so i'm excited to check that out um and this was the first time that the google assistant popped up um, and this was like the first talking of Google's idea of having this assistant, which was like the central core of all of their products. And it was like it showed up in Allo um, in a little bit. It's meant to be in Google Home a little bit, but they speak about this throughout the year again, like later on in the year. But it's really like a this is our thing that we're moving towards rather than a thing that we have right now. Yeah, it's still kind of limited i mean the the full assistant is only available in the google home speakers the things you can do with the google home which received a bunch of new third-party integrations i think last week those commands those integrations are not available in the google assistant in the allo app for example so there's still a bit of inconsistency between what you can do with the google assistant in messaging with text and what you can do with voice it does feel like, uh, you know, several months later, Google is still getting started on this front. Uh, the Google Home came out last month, I think. Developers are still working on their integrations. And the Google Allo app is still, you know, n- nobody uses it, I think. And a good move, I guess, would be for Google 
to actually make a Google Assistant app or to bundle the Assistant functionalities with voice and text into the main Google app, especially on the iPhone. Um, because right now it's yeah. kind of silly to I think that will definitely users. happen, right? Yeah, but exactly. They don't have it yet. But like, I think that that is, I think you're spot on. Like eventually the Assistant will be everywhere and in everything. But it really does seem like, and it kind of frustrates me when I see this announcement because they've done it twice now and they show off these demos where like it's exactly what you want out of a virtual assistant and they're like this is what we hope we can make one day it's like why are you even like i don't understand <laughs> like why are you doing this it, it frustrates me a little bit because it's like dangling this thing like oh yeah you know that name google assistant we've spoken about it's in our chat app but it sucks right now it's yeah. like it, it it's it's i don't know i don't know why they 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 came out with the Google Assistant branding before they had a compelling product. They may as well have just kept calling it like Google and just like Google Now and just kept using those phrasings until they actually had a product that could give them and could give users what we're all looking for, which is the demos that they keep showing. It, it, they already had a brand name. They already had all of it, like Google Now and Google Now on Tap. Those brands would have existed fine while they were still trying to build up something that could become the assistant because right now it's not much more than Google Now and Google Now on Tap was. So I, I think they've kind of flubbed that one because I think Google can do that. The stuff that they show, they are the company that are able to do it more than anybody else, but they don't have the product right now and they've shown it twice this year and there is nothing yet and it's kind of frustrating. It is. We are now at Apple Christmas, in which happens in June at WWDC. But before the conference, just a couple of days before the conference, Apple announced some really big changes to the App Store, including the subscription pricing changes. So if you have uh, an application that provides ongoing service or you can promise regular updates, then you can charge a subscription. And if a user uh, continues their subscription over a year, it moves from the 70-30 split to what? Is it 80-20? Is that what it moves to? And Was it 15? I don't remember. It may be 15. Um, I'm trying to live this Verge article and it's taking forever. The <laughs> <laughs> And uh, in conjunction with that, they announced the search ad platform for the iOS app store. And I think in hindsight, the subscription pricing changing is is good. And I think there are some apps that are are slowly figuring out how to use that. I don't know if there have been uh, many yet who I think have done it perfectly, mm-hmm. but I think they're figuring it out. But the search ads still seem like a real mess. I mean, we all follow a bunch of developers on Twitter, and how often are they complaining that you know they purposely put their competitors' names as exclusion keywords and they still show up for those searches? Or you know, a lot of the things that that Phil Schiller said. Oh, you know, we're going to monitor it so the the big guys don't squash the little guys and the little guys are getting squashed. Like it's not, not working super well yet. I don't think, but uh, I think maybe they will get there. And that's remember being really, being really interesting. They, they did this ahead of the conference. And I think the reason is pretty clear that they wanted people coming out of the conference to be excited about iOS 10 and watch iOS three and Mac OS Sierra and Swift playgrounds. And you know, let the app store changes have their own news cycle before everyone gets to San Francisco. Yep. So it had time to percolate. There were answers to questions. Like it was a smart move to do because it was a very big, complex, and confusing thing that really I don't think they could have adequately gotten across on stage 
And it was it ended up being a much smarter idea for us to think about it and talk about it and read more about it in the days leading up to WWDC than trying to put this into what was already a pretty packed keynote. Uh, absolutely. And it is, and for some real-time follow-up, it is 85-15 uh, split once you're there for a year. But then we get to the conference, mm-hmm. right? And and like you said, completely jam-packed. Uh, iOS 10 bringing uh, the new stuff being better and messages and, you know, so many great iPad changes. Wait, not uh, thank so you. many great iPads. Thank you good so job. Much. Yeah, good, good, good job. Um, good work. Yeah, nice. <laughs> nice. We, we saw uh, WatchOS 3 bringing uh, really, to me, I think out of the out of the updates, probably the most groundbroken within the update itself. They really kind of took apart WatchOS and put it back together mm-hmm. with things like the dock and getting rid of glances and it being much faster even on first-generation hardware. On the Mac, we got a new name, macOS. We got Sierra, which brings uh, Siri and a lot of file disk management stuff to the Mac. Um some of that's a little bit of a mixed bag, but uh, it's it's here. And then we had Swift Playgrounds, where you can take an iPad and install an app and begin to uh, develop and learn to develop in Swift, which I think is just uh, super cool, cool. And they really geared it, you know, kind of in the keynote towards like education. And I think a lot of people think about Swift Playgrounds as like, oh, like I can, you know, my kids can learn uh, how to code, but. I think Swift Playgrounds is a lot more than that, and I think it has a lot more potential yep. than uh, just teaching kids how to code, as good as that is. It's the first step as well towards more development tools coming to iOS, right? Like, it's step one. It's the simple part of it. I totally agree. And, you know, I mean, there were all this uh, crazy th- stories going around, people, like, hacking things into Swift Playgrounds and that it has access to a lot more than it just looks like on the surface. So I do think that I, I agree with you that it is a, uh, a a step in the right direction. You know, I don't know if we're going to get you know Xcode for iPad uh, in June. I, I kind of don't think we will. But as Swift becomes more mature and as the iPads become more powerful, you can see where those lines will cross, and that at some point, I truly believe that you will not need a Mac to develop iOS apps, and. That's going to be a big blow to the Mac as a platform, but it seems inevitable, and it seems like just something that Apple should do, right? That if you're building an app and you're running an app on an iPad, you can instantly see how it is, as opposed to dealing with a simulator or putting a build on your phone. Like it just it takes out so many of those steps, and I think a lot of people would be really interested in that, and I think that Apple will definitely get there. Also, uh, this WWDC made for some personal news. It was the first time that the three of us had ever been in person together. Um, mm-hmm. As Federico made the journey with me to uh, lovely San Francisco. And we had our first ever RelayCon San Francisco event, um, which was amazing. And I've been thinking a lot about what 2017 could be. Right now, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, like, I was thinking about it in the shower yesterday and had I have nothing. But luckily, we have six months to think about it. So yeah, we are, well, that is the yeah. plan, right? The plan is to do another one next year. We hope we can pull it off. Absolutely. I, I, I want to do another one and I want to do something that is um, 
uh, bigger than than last year. You know, more people doing more things, and really, we don't have six months. Really, we have like four months. Uh, but well, I have uh, six we, months to think of what's going to be on stage. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, you know, I don't I have that much time to get you a place to do it. But mm-hmm. um, uh, so that's something that we're we're thinking about. I mean, all in all, I think WWC this year was a big thumbs up. I mean, yep. software stuff was good. Um, the personal stuff was was great. You know, Mike, you and I have seen each other many times over the years, but you know, I uh, I got to y'all's hotel and Federico was upstairs on the phone, and I, you know, I just knocked on the door and there was a Federico there, and he's uh, much taller and much more handsome than I ever imagined, and uh, we spent time together and it was great. Well, you you were younger than I imagined. So. Well, well, you know the um, the compliments go both ways. Thanks. Both ways, yeah. yeah, I left the cane at home, so <laughs> it was good. We are halfway through the year, which means we are probably halfway through the show, which means we should take a moment to thank our sponsor for this week's episode, and that is our friends over at Smile. It is the holiday season, so why not give somebody the gift of a Smile product? You will be giving that person the most precious gift of all, more time, because that is what Smile products give you. You can help your friends, colleagues, and loved ones save time by giving them a text expander subscription so everyone will be able to speed up their typing skills by sharing snippet groups together and also by saving the time that it takes instead of writing out that huge address or that templated snippet. You can help those you know who wrangle PDFs do it with ease by using PDF Pen on the Mac. With PDF Pen, they'll be able to scan OCR documents, edit them, and even export into Word format if they want to. PDF Pen is the Swiss army knife for PDFs. And for those of you who have their lives on the go or choose to live the iOS life, you can get them PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone, PDF Pen Scan Plus, and you can even use the gift this app function on the App Store to send them to that special someone. For more information, go to smilesoftware.com slash connected. And while you're there, that you can check out the new Text Expander blog where you can find out more information about public Text Expander groups, new snippet keys in Text Expander for iOS, and even how to get your hands on some Smile stickers. I have some on my devices, of course. I want to thank Smile so much for their support of this show, their support of Relay FM, and the fact that they have been such a long-time supporter. You know, a time when we're looking back at the rest of the year, we look back at the whole history of this show, Smile has been there for us since day one. So if you want to get anybody any software this Christmas, make sure that you look at Smile as a place to do that. Thank you so much to Smile for their support of this show. So we're now in July. We are indeed. And... You know, the summer is usually quiet as Apple is testing new versions of iOS. But we got a couple of interesting bits of news. Um, Evernote announced uh, new pricing tiers and oh, price, major pricing changes. Mm-hmm. And at that point, for context, um, a lot of people in the tech community, I think, especially in ours, were sort of falling out of love with Evernote. Uh, we were, you know, we, we had switched to the Notes app since iOS 9. And there were some really good alternatives to Evernote, which kind of fell behind. You know, we've talked about this before, but, you know, Evernote announced these changes. And in my opinion, they kind of made everything even more complicated than it used to be. Mm -hmm. So the big idea is uh, Evernote now has three plans. The basic one, which is the free plan, plus, which is $4 a month, and premium, which is $8 a month. Uh, with the pricing changes, Plus uh, is $10 more annually, and Premium has you know gone up by $20. Uh, 
But the the really important change is that the basic plan, the free one, is now limited to, I think, two devices. So it used to be that Evernote could be used for free on as many devices as you wanted. So you could have Evernote for free without the premium features on your iPhone, your Mac, your iPad, whatever. Your Pebble Watch. The, the Pebble, really important platform to focus on. And uh, <laughs> now with device limiting, effectively Evernote cannot be used for free uh, on every device you have. Which I understand this is a business thing, right? Like that they yes. have to do this. However, what this does though is it fundamentally changes what the product is about. Yes. Right? Yes. And, and that's the biggest problem. It's if you use Evernote, like if you were an Evernote user, you are forced into this. I mean, and you know, whatever, you're using it for free. Maybe you shouldn't, you know, maybe you should pay them if you love it that much, right? Like, but whatever. But it was, I think the idea was it pushed everyone into this plan because if you truly used Evernote you were using it on multiple devices many devices because it was meant to be on everything you have so your offboard brain was always with you um, and this was like I don't know like when I saw this I was like this is a company who's not at their best that was kind of you know the a way that I think a lot of people reacted to this and it was like hmm shall I continue to trust them with with like my most important things I'm not so sure as we'll see later probably mm-hmm. not um the other uh, narrative, I guess, at this point in the year is the lack of Mac updates, um, and especially for professionals. And that frustration materialized in a, in a, in an odd sort of comeback. <laughs> uh, you know, frustration comes back in the strangest ways sometimes. And this year it was Hackintoshes. They uh, came so back we, with a vengeance. They, they came back in style. And I, I guess the... The frontmost story was by uh, Mike Randall. Uh, he posted this uh, kind of tutorial or, you know, how he put together a Mac, uh, Hackintosh mm-hmm. uh, with, you know, really powerful specs, uh, quite a bit of a setup, of course, because there's some weird limitations, uh, especially for iCloud and iMessage when you try to to install um, macOS, or in this case, I think, OS Tenor Capitan uh, on a, you know, non-Apple uh, computer. But... Uh, this article, this story resonated with a lot of people. And this sort of kickstarted, I think, a kind of movement that I that I see in my Twitter timeline to this day, which is a lot more people uh, using Hackintoshes, uh, but also a lot more Mac users switching to PCs. And that's interesting because I... For a lot of years, I thought, well, you know, once you're loyal to the Apple platform and ecosystem, you're going to be an Apple user forever. And instead, there's sort of this ramification between people who are so fed up with the lack of Mac Pro and, you know, professional Mac updates, either build their own or just go back to Windows, which is interesting. I, You know, kind of surprised to me. I mean, I, I think some people surely are doing that but i think there's a lot of i think a lot of that is sort of like frustration rhetoric that people rage tweet and then you know don't actually do it or you know say that they're going to do it and it's just a statement like i don't i don't think that that's happening in widespread numbers but um i mean you're right though it is interesting and it it does really point to the frustration that a lot of mac users have especially pro mac users that there's just not at least in 2016 not really a machine for them and 
the MacBook Pro is is hobbled in some weird ways, and we didn't see new iMacs, and we haven't seen a new Mac Pro since the Reagan administration. Like, there's there's a lot of frustration there, and I think it spilled over into this Hackintosh story for a little while this summer. But I'm hoping uh, that uh, Apple has some sort of relief in in the near future for these users. Also, um, I'm not sure why, but at this point in the year, we're started talking about 123 note taker yep it was the birth of the incredible application uh 123 note taker i don't remember it, it, why it happened either. it was the start of mike's new career mm-hmm. uh you know the 123 brand that yep. uh, sort of uh, expanded towards other types of applications and services because mike is also doing services now yeah yeah 123 services and 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 uh, and you know especially um uh, one big feature that we'll see later in the year would be, uh, you know, the one, two, three, uh, tree planner. Yep. In September uh, for iOS ten. So this that was you know, uh, leaked. The uh, somebody didn't like observe the embargo of one, two, yes. three, uh, trip planner and wrote about yeah. it. Yeah, one of the best iMessage apps really that came out this year, <laughs> and uh, it, it all began with one, two, three, note taker uh, back in July. So it was a. Fantastic, fantastic month. I think we were talking about subscription apps. So like maybe, it, and then but the so it may have started in June, but July saw the the release of the branding, um, which we'll put in in the show notes. Uh, I think it's there somewhere. I'll find it. One two three note taker. And then we go to August. In August, Salesforce bought Quip, and this was a problem for us at the time because it was the document collaboration system that we were using to prepare for all of the shows, including this one. Because at this point, Google had an updated Google Docs, um, and we were concerned that Salesforce would eventually shut down Quip. Uh, but we have now all jumped Quipship, and uh, we're back onto Docs <laughs> again because Google finally did their split screen update. But that happened. Uh, we got the preview, of another weird thing from Apple, a preview of emoji, uh, which included the gender diverse emojis that were appearing in releases of uh, Windows 10 and Android at the time, but also the uh, retcon of the gun emoji, where it was taken from being the standard revolver pistol and turned into a water pistol. Um, and this this caused a lot of conversation at the time, um, and people wondered if Apple would stick to their guns, and they did. They stuck to the water gun. And that is now the emoji uh, that will be, I assume, used for forever. And Apple is, is sticking to that one, and they are not changing it back um, to a pistol, a revolver pistol. This was the same month that Microsoft went from a water gun to a real gun, right? Yes. Like, this is really... They went from a uh, space ray gun to a That's real right. gun. Uh, it happened the day after... Apple announced their uh, their change. Because, oh, man. Uh, but, but Microsoft had had it in the plans for months. They were getting ready to drop their huge emoji update, and then Apple just made it sad. Really, really good timing. Really it's a good. bad day for your senior vice president of emoji. Yep. Instagram made their first step into destroying everybody uh, <laughs> by launching Instagram Stories, which was a clear carbon copy of Snapchat stories, and Instagram has since continued <laughs> to just keep doing it's just, this. Just don't care. It's just, <laughs> just whatever. <laughs> do not care, uh, and they're going to keep plowing forward, uh, gobbling up anything that will get in their path. Um, the prompt curse continued, and Picture Life shut down yeah. with a lot of really weird goings on with people's photos just becoming 
hidden for a while, I guess, from them. Um, and eventually everybody got their pictures back and Picture Life shut down. And that was the end of that one. And then we mentioned this earlier. Apple were ordered to pay 13 billion euros to mm. the European Union after a, an investigation into tax practices in Ireland. This is uh, back in the yeah. news again, um, as this week Apple is launching their their legal case into yeah. why this shouldn't occur. Why you know why why Apple is in the right with everything that happened with Ireland. Um, and Apple are claiming that they are being kind of made an example of because of who they are. That came came from Bruce yeah. Sewell. That was basically what Bruce Sewell, the legal counsel, said uh, that Apple is kind of being made an ex- being, like made an example of. So, so we'll see about that. I I continue to be interested in this story because it's just kind of a little bit fascinating to me that all of this is going on and everybody is saying that everybody is wrong. Um, and yeah. those stories a, always end in fireworks. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's the theory that um, I mean the allegation uh, from the EU that Apple got special treatment for from Ireland to you know for whatever it is they're doing in Ireland, and other people saying well, it is the Irish government actually that gives these companies special treatment so they can move jobs back to Ireland. And then there's Apple denying that they got special treatment. And the Irish government saying, no, well, look, we, we did nothing wrong, actually. This is all, you know, we Apple paid the taxes that we asked. So it's like three different sides of the story. And everybody else is just yelling on Twitter and blogs. So, yeah, popcorn time and we'll, we'll keep an eye on this. <laughs> so I think we have uh, made our way to September, where Apple's annual fall event takes place. If June is Apple Christmas, what yes. is September? Um, uh, I don't know. Okay, part of a Christmas. No. Yeah, that's very inventive. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> you sprung it on me. I had one good line about the IMAX. That's all I have today. Uh, I'm sorry. So we saw a bunch of stuff uh, in September. We saw, of course, the iPhone Seven and the iPhone Seven Plus with mm-hmm. the basically the same case design as the previous two years, but a departure with the you know the waterproofing or water resistance the headphone jack of course is gone uh moving to uh lightning and apple introduced the airpods at this event which are just now shipping i think all three of us now have airpods we're gonna talk about that uh on the next show i think but you know overall the iphone 7 i think initially had a pretty at least in some circles a pretty lukewarm reception but it's selling well, and and I don't know about you guys, but my seven plus is like, it seems like you know by far a better phone than the six S plus. The camera in particular is amazing, but as far as like build quality and the um, just like the way it, it sort of is a whole device in a way, like the six and six S felt a little disjointed to me in places. Like with the the case design with those bands on the back, and I don't know the seven and seven plus feel a lot tighter to me, and uh, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I really um, like my iPhone 7 Plus. I don't love my iPhone 7 Plus in the way that I've loved previous phones. Like, Really? Was, oh, really? Yeah, because it wasn't a home run, right? Like, there are just things that are different about it, and I, I don't know if I like all the changes, you know? Like, like what? Well, the headphone jack. Like, yeah. it is annoying, like and 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 you know I have Bluetooth headphones now. I have Bluetooth headphones now, which is great. But my point is, I could have had Bluetooth headphones anyway, right? 
Like, they always existed. Nothing in the iPhone 7 Plus has made Bluetooth headphones any better. But now I also have frustrations. Like, we were only talking a couple of weeks ago about you trying to, Federico, trying to get something from a, a, a USB key and also power. Like, all these, like, dongles and adapters. It's like, it's the same kind of idea if you want to use wired headphones and charge like it's a thing that is frustrating and i have had to spend hundreds of pounds more this year on new on two two new sets of new headphones because i need bluetooth well i want bluetooth headphones in different configurations now because i'm trying to move away from wired the wired headphones that i have sometimes just cut out right they they don't know why that is but that happens and whilst i have come to prefer the general clickiness of the capacitive button it isn't a button that works 100% of the time like I think I have had this I've heard many people have had this if you've ever had your phone just like not just the button just won't work like mm-hmm. you're in an application and it just won't just won't close yep. like that stuff happens and it didn't happen before and what I got with this phone is all of the usual stuff I got a better camera I got a better screen and it's faster like there wasn't a thing in this phone that was like and now it's the the new one um i really like all of the things that i got but i remain disappointed at things that got taken away yeah i feel like it's it wasn't off to a great start and especially because of the airpods and the lack of portrait mode but i feel like the 7 plus is like a good wine it's getting better as it as it ages and i agree with that completely that's a really good especially, point it, it especially with a with a 10.2 update with mm-hmm. a you know with fixes to the portrait mode with the airpods now available at least to some users but do you get what i mean that there wasn't like I, I the do get fireworks it. that you usually I get, get with a new iphone i get it you know? yes it was not 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 a splashy if you will release it was not yeah. like a bunch of new things groundbreaking new things all at once it was like you buy the product and you get the new stuff in multiple chunks throughout the year, mm-hmm. which is odd. Um, doesn't make the iPhone 7, you know, a big, I don't know, like, it's no, it's no really drastic update, that is. I don't know, maybe we'll look back next year once we have the iPhone 8 with a, with a major redesign, we'll look back at the iPhone 7 as the weird kid in the family. Or maybe this is the future, you know? Apple announces the phone and throughout the year you get the actual features and accessories. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. So we we also saw the Apple Watch Series 2 and the uh, Series 1. The naming is a little bit confusing, but uh, let's, I think we're just going to talk about the Series 2. Uh, Swimproof is the language that they use. Uh, it is a tiny bit thicker, but it seems like the battery life is way better. It's a lot faster, and it seems to be a little bit of a simplified product. You know, they got rid of all the additions except the one, the white ceramic that I think Mike and I both uh, lust after. Mm-hmm. And they introduced the uh, the Nike uh, Plus Nike Run version as well, which is basically the sport watch, but with a different band and a custom watch face and an app. So... Uh, you you both have watched Series 2 uh, now, and it seems like uh, things are good in that world. <laughs> I feel it's just like the worst human being. The Apple Watch Series 2 is amazing. I didn't even want it, but now I'm super happy. <laughs> and I feel like a terrible person because... Since you murdered your old one? Yeah. I, I... Okay, so this is what's so good about it. The battery life is insane. It's 
Yes, it 70, is. It is seven, I have 70% left battery at the end of the day. Yeah. 70%, like on a normal day, like just using the phone, like using the thing, like not workout related stuff, just like regular stuff, 70%. The screen is amazing. Like I know that they made it brighter. I don't know if they did anything else, but the, everything looks way nicer. Every animation, every button press is smoother. Like, I, I constantly had, like, you think you press a button and nothing happens. That doesn't happen here. And I don't know if this... This could also be because I have a better internet connection at home. I don't know. But Dictation seems more reliable on, on my Apple Watch Series 2. It's a great product. I'm so sorry, everybody. Uh, if you really love your Apple Watch, I don't... I, I still don't know. I still don't know if you have to do this. Like, if you, if this is, like... A, if you're, like, a super Apple Watch fan, I still don't know if you if you, like really should upgrade but if any of the things i have said to you are things that annoy you about your current apple watch then maybe you should do it because it is a better product in every way it is a little bit thicker it's a little bit heavier but you you just get used to that within a day um it's very 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 good sorry everyone yeah no, no, it's uh it's good to hear mm-hmm. uh we also of course saw ios 10 um federico wrote like a i don't like 150 word review just a little thing, little linkless post. Yeah, it was like a like um like a link blogging basically uh, project. Um, it it was it was really short and it didn't take much time. Uh, I was very relaxed, very you know, sleeping a lot. It was fun. It was fun. Um, very relaxing. seriously. Seriously, it was both the best and the worst point in the ear uh, was this project this mm-hmm. review and i mean I, i'm you know i'm gonna do do it again for sure because now it's sort of it's it's that kind of thing that you want to do you also know it's gonna be bad for you because you have no sense of self-restraint and you know the sleep schedule is all messed up um i work too much i write too much but whatever, it's uh, it's what I gotta do. It went it went really well. Uh, I think um, I think I posted this uh, stats when it when it came out. We, we went over a million page views on the story within like a week or ten days. It was incredible. The feedback was incredible. Um, and I'm I'm sort of scared about what's gonna happen when when we do get new iPad features. But uh, we'll 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 think about it when. That becomes a problem next year. <laughs> Don't yeah. think about these things now. No, that is something no. for future Federico to do. Yes, it's not yes. for you. Right. That dude is screwed. It. Yeah, he's got problems. <laughs> but you're good. Don't, you're all good. Don't, don't mention it. It's, it's fine. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> there was um, a little story about iPhones making funny noises. Yeah, that also didn't really about. go anywhere. Nobody, nobody no. watched any videos. Mm. Nobody read anything. Mm-hmm. That that was that was a nothing. Sorry. Yeah, it was no big deal. Um, it was a very strange couple of weeks in my life. <laughs> <laughs> we also saw the App Store search ads uh, launch. I don't know. I feel like the story during the beta and the story then at the launch and the story now is kind of all the same, that it's a little ho-hum and that Apple really hasn't delivered on what they said they would deliver. But um, This feels like iAd again. Like yeah, I mean that, it's it's not really there's not really going to be anything. It's just like it is what it is. Some people will use it, but like it's not changing anything really. That's how it feels to me. I mean, maybe I'm just thinking that because it still isn't in the UK, so I never see them. 
I mean, I'm in the U.S. I don't see them because I don't like randomly search the App Store very much. But I feel like when I do see them, they're not very accurate to what I think they should be. Um, but you know, at this point, like I don't peruse the App Store often, and if I do, I'm just looking at top charts out of curiosity or boredom. Like I don't ever open the app store to search for a new markdown editor, right? Like I'm going to go read a review that Federico wrote or something that we did at the suite setup or like I go to the app store with purpose now. And, and maybe that, you know, colors my experience that I'm not really looking for ads to like direct me, but I gotta, I gotta think that there are people who are, you know, whose traffic is really diverted in one way or the other due to those things. We have the, Galaxy Note 7 uh, recall disaster starts in September. Uh, They did a recall due to, you know, phones uh, not really exploding, but sort of burning up, catching fire. (laughs) Not Uh, really exploding, but... I mean, (laughs) not shrapnel, but, you know, burning cars down. Um, There was fire. It wasn't like, you know, boom. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't like a, a, you know, a nuclear warhead going off. But no, no. People got hurt, which is really unfortunate. And and Samsung really did a, a... uh, a shoddy job at getting the message out. They're still dealing with it. They did as bad a job as you could imagine a company could do. Yeah, sort of just outright ignoring it. Yeah, like it. it they uh, were slow to respond to people who had uh, inquiries. They replaced a bunch of phones, and the new phones started exploding, uh, which is like the worst possible move. Mm-hmm. And you know, now they are. I saw a story the other day that they are after the holidays. They're going to be. Pushing another update to them that basically makes them inoperable, which should have been done months ago. I don't know why they, that's yeah, not, yeah. The, I mean, they've done things where like you can only charge it to forty five percent. Like every time you turn the screen on, a big red alert pops up. Like if you still have one of these, like you're just beyond help at this point. But it's um, it's something that Samsung didn't handle very well. They still really haven't come out and said what happened. No, they they literally have not. There has been no statement from Samsung that explains what this was. There have been many people that have shown their proof as to what they think it was. Um, fundamentally, the, the the consensus seems to be that the batteries were too big for the cases and that they were swelling and it was bad. That was what happens. Um, but yeah, they could not have dealt with this worse uh every step along the way they seem to make the wrong decision time after time and it is now at the point where their brand is damaged severely if you go on a plane you are told you you have to like basically it seems like the consensus is turn all samsung phones off and if you have a galaxy note 7 you may be put in prison right like it is basically considered a weapon by airlines and and i understand why like the the thing is it's just a disaster it's a an absolute disaster and i this has been one of the two story one maybe one of the three stories that was like really consumed me this year. One was the uh, FBI one, then this one, and then the one we're going to talk about next. Um, and I, I just think it's been kind of fascinating to watch how Samsung has destroyed this, uh, and I'm really interested to see how they try to bounce back from it mm-hmm. because I don't know how they will, um, and I assume that the Note line is dead. Uh, I would oh, be. Man. So, uh, I think they're going to have a new one in the spring, and they're going to call it Note Eight, and they're just going to roll like it never you think, happened. Oh man, I, this. I, you know, I I think that they're going to give it some name related to cold or ice. I, I still think that's yeah, going to happen. I think your idea is silly. They, I mean, they they <laughs> handled it. 
in the worst possible way. And like the next logical step in that on that path is the Galaxy Note 8 in March or April, right? Like, let's move on. They're going to have a little line about, oh, yeah, like it's totally uh, fine. And that'll be like, there's going to roll. And the, the question then is how does the public respond? Do people buy these phones? I think that it won't sell very well. I, I would hope that it doesn't sell very well because um, I do think the brand is is damaged beyond repair, but I don't think they will realize that or they think that, you know, the, the, the hubris to think that they can just roll forward with uh, no change. Well, I look forward to, to see what happens, to see who's right there. I, I completely feel like your uh, your thought there is very logical. Well, not logical. It's completely illogical, but it fits with Which Samsung. is why it's what Samsung will do. <laughs> it fits with, with the way that they've dealt with this whole thing. Um, but I just like to hope that they're smarter than that. So the September wrapped up with the Snapchat spectacle story breaking. Uh, Mike, you have a pair now. So yeah. if you would tell us <laughs> yeah, about man. them. What's going on? Yeah, how did you get a hold of them? Uh, listener Mahir, who lives in New York, got a pair for me. Um, Mahir didn't line up for me. That would have been terrible. Uh, he had an extra pair that he bought for a friend and a friend didn't want it. So I bought them from Mahir and he sent them to me. So thank you, Mahir. Um, I have anybody that's listened to this show knows that I've been completely obsessed with this story. Like, I just think that this is one of the coolest tech product announcements of years past. Just not, not, and people constantly say, oh, they're not cool. I'm, I'm talking about the whole thing. The way that Snapchat is dealing with this, the way that they're getting around the the amount that they can make, you know, by by creating this scarcity, putting them in these vending machines that appear in random places across the United States, like all of it is just absolute marketing and PR dream. Like it's they're just doing such a fantastic job, and I've been interested in getting them because I've wanted to take some weird video for my vlog, and that's why I have a pair, um, and I've done some of that, and I'm going to continue to do it and find ways to try and use this POV camera because it works so well. It's just a really nicely designed product and I don't feel like a doofus when I wear them. I don't think that... I mean, they look they look unlike your average pair of sunglasses, but they're not completely weird. They're not like super weird. They still have, I think, I like the style of them. Um, so when I wear them, I don't feel like a doofus because I I don't feel like I'm wearing something that I think looks bad. Um, so yeah, that that's my kind of feeling on it. But I just think that the way that Snap, the company now known as Snap, is dealt with this and launched this product has been really cool, uh, and uh, I, I like it a lot. So there you go. I'll have more to say on Snapchat spectacles at some point in the future as I use them more and more. I will say though, the the pairing process so smart. Like it's just so simple. You just put them on. You open up the Snapchat app. And you just open up your QR code, you look at the QR code, you press the shutter button, and it's paired. Nice. It's so simple. So, so simple. So, yeah, they're cool. I think they're really, I think it's cool. Uh, I like the case. The case has the battery in it, just like the AirPods. Um, it's, I think it's a really interesting product. And, and I'm, I'm interested to see where Snap takes this. If they continue to move down this line, if they maybe try and make other types of cameras, I'm interested to see what they do. All right, so we should move on to October. October uh, brought everybody's everybody's new favorite product, the new MacBook Pro with the Touch Bar. Um, I think that we can all say that it's been a resounding success, right? And everyone's really happy with the direction that Apple has taken. I think if I've been reading the tea leaves correctly, I'm right in thinking that. Yep. 
Good. We'll move on. Uh, Apple leaves the display <laughs> business and potentially the router business has been a story um, in October. Uh, Google unveiled the Pixel, which it's kind of crazy to me to think now that all of that happened in the same month. Yeah, the right. Pixel <laughs> felt like a very long time ago. And I think it's because October has been a troubling time for yeah, well, It was a strange month. It was, yeah. it was odd looking back. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I got no work done in October for some reason. I don't know. It's been a strange month. <laughs> so that the the Pixel came out. Um, I really like my Pixel. I haven't spent as much time with it as I would have wanted to, and that's probably something I'm going to try and change over the next couple of months, especially as I maybe play around with more of the Daydream stuff. Um, but that's that. Vine was shut down. Oh, yeah, but it's coming back as a, I think, as a dedicated camera app like oh, twitter really? announced yeah twitter last week i think they said um huh. we're shutting down vine as a kind of as a platform we're just keep um having a dedicated vine camera app oh, that you just use yeah. to shoot and edit videos uh the six second looping videos that you post post on twitter or save them to your phone i don't so, even that company is just a disaster. It's, it's a Twitter. It's like, what are you even doing, guys? It's like, still, uh, Vine as a social network is dying. Uh, they're keeping the camera app so you can make the Vines, but post them on Twitter and other places. And another thing that makes October feel like a lifetime ago, the PlayStation VR was also released oh, yeah. in October. Oh, yeah. That also feels like it was a very, very long time ago. I think it's been a very weird fourth quarter of the year. Um, but yeah, that was October. Lots of hardware releases in October. Yeah, right. Leading up to the, to, I guess, the Thanksgiving and you know the holidays, mm-hmm. which brings us to November. Um, again, an interesting month for Apple. Uh, the AirPods, which were supposed to launch uh, in late October, I think, they got officially delayed uh, on November first. Apple said um, first there were some rumors that said. Um, Apple is going to release the AirPods in January. And then Apple, uh, it was kind of strange. They said, they said nothing, basically. And they eventually appeared online, like in the first week of December, maybe. But in November, we we, we got the rumors that says, well, Apple is not going to meet their deadline for the AirPods. So buckle up, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a, a delayed launch. And as we see, basically, I mean, the majority of customers, they are getting AirPods in January 2017 uh, because only, you know, uh, when when they went on sale, what was that, last week, 10 days ago, mm-hmm. um, they stayed within the next week delivery for like an hour. And then everybody else, either you you get lucky, you walk into an Apple store and you pick them up because they're available, or you're going to wait four to six weeks. Uh, so basically a 2017 launch. In November, we also got the 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 Apple book, the designed by Apple in California book, uh, which is not really a book in the sense that there's a text or a story that you can read. It's a photo. It's a coffee table book uh, with photos of Apple industrial design and Apple products, either close ups or uh, like uh, torn torn apart, like the insides. And I, I didn't buy one. Um, Stephen, can you tell us more about the book? Because I, <laughs> I know you have a special re- relationship with this object. <laughs> hmm. 
uh, yeah, it's big and it's heavy and it's vaguely disappointing that Apple didn't wow. Wow. really get into <laughs> the the why of these products that it's just like really cool pictures. And like I do love the photos of like the Apple Watch, you know, test bed with like a, a board with a screen on it and how they make the Mac Mini and how they make the Mac Pro. But there's it's all about process and they really don't even explain it very well. It's like the picture of this big gear and it does things. Uh, I would like to know why. Like, why do they do these things? Why do they feel like they need to make these changes at certain times? And what's really disappointing about that is that Apple is the only company that can do that. Like, I could have made this book. In fact, I made a video proving that I could make this book. <laughs> but they only Apple, only Johnny Ive's team can make the can tell the backstory of why things change when and the decision making that goes into products. And that just isn't in the book. And Maybe we'll start to get that as people retire and and people die and we find their diaries. But for now, so we don't happens? have like, stories like uh, National Treasure style. Are you yeah. hoping that happens? It's like I mean, I'd like to know more. Uh, <laughs> okay, I don't want anyone to you know. I don't. I mean, that would be sad when that happens. But you know, it's like we now know everything about the development of the like the Macintosh mm-hmm. and yeah. the Apple II because all those people are retired from Apple and they don't give a crap anymore and they'll they'll tell the stories and that's not the case yet for things like the iPhone or even really the iPod even though we know a lot about that. So I wonder if that will happen, you know. I just think that the secrecy thing was very different then to now and I wonder if those people will tell the stories or if they'll they'll keep their yeah. mouth shut. Yeah, I mean oh, yeah. I may I may be wanting something that never comes to pass, yeah. but uh, I mean the 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 interesting thing, too, about the book, uh, you guys talked about this on Upgrade this week, that Apple's made a couple of decisions from a PR perspective that are a little weird. Like, people are really upset about the MacBook Pro, which, like, we didn't even get into, but is a thing. People want more ports and want a keyboard that works and uh, want better battery life and all those things. That people were upset about that, and that's when they released this book. And, like, you know, maybe it was a little tone deaf. Maybe it was a lot of money to spend on something but that is what it is and i think that the contents of the book are far more interesting than the the environment in which it was introduced finally in november beam the social network (laughs) co-founded by uh (laughs) yes by casey neissat uh got quote-unquote acquired by cnn which is uh, the, the beam social network is shutting down the app is going away they basically acquired the talent of the bean team and casey neistat is also on board to produce more uh, millennial content for cnn with video that's I, I don't even know how to describe this basically cnn wants to reach younger people and so they got a bunch of other people who are also young um to make videos am i am i oversimplifying this it's all we it's all we can assume right like we yes because you know even like nice that has made videos saying that we don't know what we're going to do yet like (laughs) nobody knows but we're just going to do something uh you know i am and i think we all are big casey nice fans this was just a very interesting story to all of us um and i think anything that guy does is interesting to me i think he's a quite a character i think the the type of acquisition it was is interesting too like if you look at Fitbit buying Pebble, which is in our December list. I'm going to blend the months a little bit. They bought Fitbit's 
software and the engineers on the software have jobs, some of them, but like yeah. some of them, <laughs> yeah. um, but all the hardware people are gone. And like a lot of times you see acquisitions of a, of a software product and they're buying it for the patents or the intellectual property. Is the and CEO with, going to Fitbit? Is, is no, the purple guy? No. no he's he's out of, of a job. Yeah. No, he is back at, um, Y Combinator, oh, yeah. right? Y Combinator. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. But, uh, with Beam, Nice Dad's video says very clearly that like the entire like what was left of his company, which I think was smaller than it was in its heyday, like however many people are left, all of them were part of the deal. Like all of them are working on whatever Beam is doing now with CNN. That they didn't just buy the technology, which they had some interesting stuff, right? The proximity sensor to fire the camera. It just didn't take off as a social network, but I think as a technology product, they had some stuff in there that was pretty interesting. They obviously own all of that now, but they also have like all of these people and the team is staying intact. And that's something we don't see super often in these big acquisitions, right? That a lot of times a company gets split up and the the valuable parts get picked out and the rest is just kind of left behind. Um, And that's, I think, why the story sticks to me, sticks out to me a little bit, even more so than what Nice Dad does, is that the, like, the way that he pulled it off from an acquisition standpoint, is a little unique and I think worth uh, worth mentioning. Uh, so December, we talked about Pebble and Fitbit. Uh, we also have some things that there were going to be follow-up this week, but we didn't do follow-up, so we're going to do it now. Uh, Super Mario Run came out now uh, five or six days ago. It's been out. It's a free app for the first, what, three or four levels, and then it's uh, $10 in-app purchase, but that doesn't act like other in-app purchases. And maybe you guys can clarify this because I've read a little bit of conflicting things. My understanding is that I can buy it on my iPhone, but if I want it yeah. on my iPad, I have to do it again. Is that no. accurate? No. Um, it's. Uh, the, I, I saw a bunch of people confused by this. Um, I'm confused. So you, you cannot me. you cannot share an in-app purchase with the with other people through family sharing. Okay. Is the main the main point of contention here? And you can on other apps. Like that's unique to Super Mario Run because no, I don't have the family it's, plan. That's always the case. If you okay. use family sharing, in-app purchases cannot be shared, which is a stupid restriction by Apple. But it's not new to Super Mario. Okay. But if you have multiple devices and you log in with the same Apple ID, Nintendo made a bad interface decision, but it works. If you have the same Apple ID, you need to tap buy again, but you won't be charged. It says you've already purchased this item. What a lot of developers do, they usually include a restore button in the UI. Mm-hmm. So it checks the, the receipt with your Apple ID and it doesn't tell you to buy again, which is a misleading message. Um, but you can totally, I mean, I installed um, Super Mario, the extra levels on my iPad on Sylvia's iPhone by logging in with my Apple ID. Um, you can totally do it. It just Nintendo made a bad in a purchase design screen. That's the problem. Yeah. Which goes but, along but with same... the other bad decisions that they made. Yeah. Right? They made lots of bad decisions with this. Um, you know, we spoke about a bunch already, right? The need for an internet connection. And yes. this, this, when you're actually using it, you find it's even worse than it is, right? Like if the internet connection is not strong enough and you've tried to complete a level, well, your level completion doesn't get saved. Like it is extremely aggressive with the need for an internet connection. Um, the... A lot of the setup screens are just not very good. Um, it's like bad Wii design. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I thought of. Is we have a Wii now mm-hmm. somehow in our house, and so I've been playing it with my kids, and that that's what I thought. I was like, oh, this looks like uh, Wii buttons, and like a lot of 
iOS designers and developers were, were mocking that. And like, it's, it's not that it looks like iOS 6, which is what a lot of people were saying. It looks like Nintendo stuff. Like, yeah. People that were making the, the iOS point. 6 joke were either trying don't to be funny it. or they don't yeah, get Nintendo. That's not yeah. really funny. Right? Like, like, I it's get not. it. It's, uh, it's like, congratulations, but, you had a really funny idea. But <laughs> Nintendo are being Nintendo. Right, like they are that. This looks like a Nintendo game. I mean, it doesn't look like a good Nintendo game, but this is Nintendo's design, and there's no reason that they should have to make a, a, an app that looks because it's not an app. This is a game. Games have this type of style, right? They have their own styles. Games run independently yeah. from the operating system because they don't tie into the operating system in the same way that calendar app does. A calendar app looking like this is ridiculous. A game is not. The thing about so, it's Federico, I want to see what you think about this. Right, my feeling is. When I play this game, Nintendo made the gameplay, Dina made everything else. I feel like it's a terrific game um, with some questionable interface decisions, so I agree with you. And I, I feel like the main problem is that users who don't buy the full game are allowed to leave a review on the App Store. And that speaks to a bunch of different problems with the App Store infrastructure, mm-hmm but also to the fact that Apple is not still not allowing developers to have real full trials that don't require in-app purchase or subscription tricks and workarounds. So the problems that Nintendo is facing now is this lots of negative reviews. In, a, in addition to the need for an internet connection, which is totally on Nintendo and Dina, um, the main problem with the negative reviews and the criticism is that some people just don't like paying but they're still allowed to leave a review and to say this game sucks when in fact they haven't bought the full game because either you know they don't want to pay, but also because they don't have a way to try the game. It's a it's a tricky question, and I feel like there's part of you know it's like 50-50 situation. Part is Apple's problem with the App Store, whether it's an economics problem or a mindset problem that some people just the the App Store if is forever ruined and people will never pay for content again. But also part of that is Nintendo's own problem with the messaging, with the interface, with the need for an internet connection. I feel like Nintendo, again, I still believe they will, they will remove the need for the the persistent internet connection. They will, they will update the, the interface. Uh, I still think it's a fantastic game. It's like it's way better than I could have hoped for a mobile Mario game. Yep. The interface needs to be better. The internet connection needs to be backtracked. And Apple has to find some kind of solution for this problem of people complaining about pain, of in purchases, of trials. Otherwise, we're, you know, we're, do we really want a future where every game lets you wait 20 minutes between turns or you need to watch a video ad or you need to buy a sack of gems? I don't know. I, that's not the feature I want. I think that there's a better way and Mario Run sort of uh, exemplifies this problem. It's a fantastic game with problems in the interface and problems in the infrastructure. So it's like Apple, Nintendo will not do this again. Exactly. Right? Like if they have a bad relationship here, if this doesn't work for them, and they're gonna get, you know gonna get like just dumped on in the press and stuff, and then the reviews, they're not gonna bring Zelda. And you want them to bring Zelda because you super wanted them to bring Mario, right? <laughs> like, they, they really wanted Mario because Mario is everywhere on the App Store. And they are making ads that they're putting on Instagram. Like, that, Apple are going whole hog with this. 
um, as they should. But there needs to be a little bit more of a two-way street on this. You know what? Maybe Nintendo should have just made this a pay-up-front application, right? Maybe Nintendo should have had more levels that you could play first, right? Maybe they Maybe. didn't include enough. There are a lot of like questions around this, but there are also a lot of questions on Apple about the things that they do, how they choose to do things, and stuff that they could do to make the App Store more inviting to developers of all kinds. Um, and Super Mario Run is just yet another example of this, which is a game which is as good as you would want the game to be, but it is like a two-star application. But the game is, like, there are not a lot of levels of this. Was it like 12 or something like that? Like 12 actual levels, maybe a few more, maybe 18. But it's not an easy game. It's got the, the level of difficulty that you would want and a ton mm-hmm. of, play, of, like, replayability. Like, yeah. yeah. There are I'm so many. On this same level for a while now. Yeah, and that, you the... know what? That's what you want, right? Like, yeah, I, I'm getting my money's worth out of like the the time that I've yeah. been into it, and I'm not. I mean, you guys know this. We talked about the show for years. Like, I not, I don't play games, but I downloaded this because it was such a big deal, and I I did the free trial. I was like, you know what? I'm really enjoying this, and it's like the only game I've had on my iPhone in years. And I've got some games on my iPad, but the only game I've had on my phone in forever, and it's um. It's great, but it's it's hard to see how the market's responding to it. Nintendo lost a bunch of uh, market cap over it, even in their stock price. Like, I uh, worry that this will be a one-time thing. The stock price thing is is whatever. The same thing happened with Pokemon Go, right? Like, everybody got super excited because they thought that this was going to mean that Nintendo was the most successful company in the world again. And then yeah. the reality hit. In. I mean, look, frankly. Five million downloads on day one, right? And which and like I saw a statistic like Pokemon Go got like half a million on day one. I mean, I'm sure Pokemon Go got up to the multiple millions of levels after the press and like the cultural phenomenon. Uh, which you know what we should have included Pokemon Go in our year in review. Uh, I don't know how I missed that, um, but whatever month it was that Pokemon Go happened, it was sometime in the summer. That one of the biggest stories it was of the July. year, like flat yeah. out one of the biggest stories of the year, because. It is a video game that did something that I've never seen a video game do before. Um, it was a worldwide cultural phenomenon um, for, for the time that it was. I mean, and there are still people playing it a lot, which is awesome. But like, there was that span of a couple of weeks where everybody was playing Pokemon Go. <laughs> but yeah, that's Mario. I love the game. Um, I just, I just wish two things. I, you know, I wish that everybody could have done a better job, and I wish that the focus was on the stuff that's good, not the stuff that people think is bad. Uh, what else happened in December? Well, something just happened, right? Yeah, AirPods shipped. I know, yeah. Federico, you just got yours like 20 minutes ago. Um, yeah. Mike and I both got ours yesterday. I used mine for a little bit yesterday. I mean, I, I want to save this for like a full topic, but I would say my initial impressions are a thumbs up. I think that they're really interesting. I think they are the most um, Apple-y product we've seen from the company in a while, just yeah. in like... There's like little pieces of charm to it, like little delights in in the way that they work and the way that they they act. That is like sort of classic Apple, and I uh, so far I'm really enjoying them. So they're comfortable. Um, when when I I've worn them for for multiple hours now, um, mainly just around the house today. Uh, like mine came in yesterday evening. Uh, they work really well. Um, I can totally see now why there's such limited controls available because the tapping to play pause or tapping to get Siri is not very reliable. 
Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes you could do it multiple times before it will will work that out. So trying to have a set of complex gestures that was just never going to happen. And I can see why they weren't with Siri. Uh, I still think that the Siri thing is a bad idea fundamentally, uh, but I can see why they went with it as like a cop out for not being able to do anything more with them in this revision. But I hope in later revisions that they make the sensors better and maybe put some kind of touch on them, right? So it can it can. It can do these interactions via touch rather than an accelerometer. I think the accelerometer is really not not fine enough to be able to to, to get make this work. Like, but but hey, the, the little battery case is awesome. Uh, the way that they sit in the case is great. The fact that it charges whenever I put them in is great. Like, it charges super fast. I like the battery indicator. The charging, the pairing is fantastic. Um, the, the the main problem that I have with these is that they look really weird. They just look weird. Uh, that yeah, will my, go my away. Wife mocked me. Yeah, I showed them to Adina. I explained all the technology. She thought it was cool, uh, but she said they look weird, and they do. And um, I'm going to feel weird being out in the street with them. Uh, I'm going to take them out. I'm going out this evening, and I'm going to be wearing them uh, while I'm running some errands. Like, and I'm going to feel like I'm sticking out like a sore thumb with them because mm-hmm. that's just how I'm going to feel because they look weird. Uh, but we'll get over that, and the next versions will be even better. Um, and I agree, like, this is a very Apple thing, and it's really nice, and I love that it's a little white plastic case. Like, I love all of that. Um, it's, a, it's a really cool little product, but I feel like I have a lot more time to play around with them. But they do feel very comfortable, um, and it's actually very easy to forget that you have them in because they they really do not make much of an impact on your life when they're in your ears right they they, they don't uh you don't feel it very much so it's a cool product yeah. very cool product i think so so we'll, and we'll talk about them in a couple of weeks because uh we mentioned this already but we're going to be uh we're taking a holiday break now for the show we're back in uh on january 3rd now it's just a, a quick programming note but that was that was 2016 2016 overall has been uh just in general a strange year uh, there, there is a meme right right now like 2016 was just a hellfire of a year um, <laughs> yeah technology was no different it's been a very weird year it's been a very weird year if you're a fan of apple there have been uh, some highs and there have been some lows and 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 depending on your personal perspective there have been more lows or highs or more highs than lows uh, but there have been some i think some very interesting changes in technology i think there's been some very interesting stories um, and there's no reason to feel that 2017 will be any different. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what Apple do in 2017 and the, the moves that they make. Um, I'm I'm very keen to see where the iOS devices go. You know, there's more rumors of, uh, uh, ho- I hope you like that iPhone 6 design because you're going to get it again. Um, <laughs> and, but there's also rumors of you're going to see an iPhone which is made completely of glass and wraps around your face. So... I'm interested to see what September brings. Mm. Of course, I'm interested to see what June brings. I'm looking forward to 2017. But that about yeah. wraps it up. If you want to find our show notes for this week, head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 122. If you want to find Federico on the internet, he's over at maxstories.net and at Fatici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I on Twitter. Steven is at 512pixels.net and he is at I-S-M-H on Twitter. Uh, really? I am, yeah, I think so. Uh, I am at iMike, I M Y K E. Thanks again to Smile for supporting this week's show. Thank you all for listening. Have a very happy holiday season. A happy new year to you, and we'll be back in January. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.